Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we wanted you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message with our very own Pastor Terrence Wilson. This cool summer series has been something else. Me and uh, Joe have been watching no matter where we were in the world. It's been amazing. Shout out to Pastor Chino uh, Echeverria of, 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 of Greater Church. My goodness gracious. What a word he preached about the Holy Spirit. Shout out to them. They just moved into a brand new building this Sunday. They've been going at it for over five years. How many of you know if God can do it for them, he can do it for us too, amen? You got, don't, listen, don't be a hater when people get stuff. You celebrate so that some of that can fall on you too, amen? amen. Ours is coming in Jesus' name. I believe it. Uh, shout out to Pastor Jimmy Rollins. How many of y'all were here for Pastor Jimmy? He is one of the overseers. He's on the board of Cool Church. He tore it up. It's not even fair. Like, like you preach that good and then you're able to sing to do your own altar calls? I, listen, if you look at me do that, then you ain't gonna you ain't gonna get that. I mean, I could try. No, you don't want that. Thank you. I see y'all got jokes since I left. <laughs> oh, it's not fair, but I know Jimmy brought it, man, and and I, I, I love that. He said a line when he was preaching. He says, "I could be I could be so real today because I've been fake for so long." When you, when you finally shed that stuff, all that stuff you think you're supposed to be, you can be authentically who God has called you to be. And then my sis Yari, man, my goodness gracious. We got another preacher in the house. My God. I'm thankful for you. I'm honored that you're a part of this house. Thank you. She's been here from day one, and I just love watching you grow. Joe and I were just watching back home. We were just so proud. Like, look at her. She's going to be the best of us. You're going to be the best. Like, the goal is for, not for me and her to be here and then you hit. No, you're supposed to be better than us. And you're already starting on the right track. How many of y'all got a word when y'all already preached that? Come on, man. Mm-mm-mm. And then last week, my guy, Pastor Charlie Dawes. How many of y'all were Pastor Charlie? That dude can preach too, man. He's one of the smartest people I know. He has a doctorate degree, my goodness gracious, but he doesn't allow his accolades to change who he is at his core, at his heart of hearts. He's somebody that believes in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says, he wrote a book called Simple Prayer. I know some of y'all got that book and it's a book that changed my life. And he asked God every day to make him more authentic. Let him, let him be be what the Bible says. Don't let them just read what the Bible says. Let them be what the Bible says. And I don't know about you, but that's a prayer that I want to pray over my life. Amen. So thank y'all so much for holding it down while we were gone. I love y'all and I love that no matter who's here, y'all going to honor and y'all going to get a word because God's always in this house. Amen. All right, this is the last part of Cool Summer. Next week, we start a brand new series. But before we get there, I got, I got one more word for Cool Summer. Is that okay? So if you got your Bibles, y'all still bring your Bibles, right? Let me see. Hold it up. Don't lie to me. I'll know. Hold it up. 
Don't be scared. Yeah. Yeah, I like when people bring those leather-bound Bibles. All right, you got a phone. Hold up your phone. Can't cast out a demon with an iPhone. What you going to do when your battery dies? In the name of Jesus, I need a charge. Nope. It's funny, I can say that stupid joke every week and people always laugh. That's the advantage I get from being the pastor. Y'all have to laugh at my jokes. I love it. First Kings, we going old school today. We going Old Testament today. That's how I'm feeling. I'm feeling frog. I get weird after vacation. Y'all, I'm a little rusty. Forgive me. First Kings 18 verses 41 through 46. 1 Kings 18, 41 through 46. If you're watching online, I love you. You are awesome. Thank you for being with us. And you can always use the Cool Church app. There's thousands of people on the app. All the notes that I'm preaching from are going to be on the app. And there's a Bible in there, too, for you to follow along. 1 Kings 18, verses 41 through 46. Read. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go, eat and drink, for there is a sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Mm. Go and look towards the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. The seventh time, somebody say the seventh time. The servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. You should underline that. I love that. A cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose, a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. First 46 is crazy. The power of the Lord came on Elijah. Tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. That's a good place to say amen. <laughs> If you're taking notes on this last cool summer, I've entitled it this, and you should take notes. The Bible says in Jedediah 57.5, that those that taketh notes shall get it to heaven. If you believe that, I got more work to do than I thought. Take notes. They may not help you right now, but they'll point you back to a place in God's word that'll help you when you need it the most. Amen? If you're taking notes, I've entitled it this. The rain is coming. The rain is coming. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. For this is the day that you have made, God. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. God, I thank you that before the earth began to spin on its axis, you knew each and every person that was going to be in this place today. God, I pray that you open hearts, minds, and ears to be open and receptive to a word that will always and only be about Jesus. God, I pray for the one, the one that needs to hear this word the most. God, may you open up their heart to receive you. May you introduce yourself to them so that they can know you. And somebody that's been running for a long time, God, I pray you introduce, reintroduce yourself in a fresh, new way. God, I pray 
that we will all understand that you are the bringer of the rain. And Lord, we trust you because we believe the rain is coming. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, everyone said, take about five seconds to give God a shout of praise. Come on. I'm sorry I don't have like a fun story to start. I probably should be a little lighter after I come back from vacay, but I'm going to jump right into the word. Because I want to give you context for what I just read to you out of 1 Kings uh, chapter 18. Obviously, the book of Kings, there's two of them, 1 and 2 Kings, but it chronicles the journey of the different kings of, of Israel. And there's some important figures that stand out uh, in these books outside of the kings. And some of these voices are prophetic voices, one of them, which is Elijah. And to fully understand what's happening in Kings 18, we got we to gotta rewind a little bit. We got to go back to 1 Kings 17. 1 Kings 17, chapter 1, it'll come up on the screen behind you, says, Now Elijah, the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead, I, I, I would challenge you to say the Tishbite and Tishbe 10 times fast. Now Elijah, the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead, said to Ahab, as the Lord, this is, this is so cold, it's so cold. This prophet goes up to the king and says, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except for my word. You want to talk about gangster? <laughs> Elijah was OG. He went to the king. He was like, I ain't going to cut off. I'm not going to take your riches. I'm not going to take your cattle. I'm not going to take your servants, but I will cut off the rain. Because if I cut off the rain, all that stuff's going to fade anyway. I'm going to cut the faucet off on you. And it won't come back until I say. He didn't say it's going to come back when God said. He says it's going to come back when I say. He said, neither dew nor rain. Like he said, it's going to be so dry, there'll be no humidity. Some of us would kind of like that in Florida. Something like, my hair would like that. Mine wouldn't because it ain't here. It says neither. Do nor rain will come except for my word. Now, King Ahab, he was a lovely fellow. He married a woman named Jezebel. Don't name your children Jezebel. <laughs> just don't. I'll, I'll just help you in life. Don't do that. She was not a nice person. I'll leave it at that. Um, but Ahab, he was the king of the northern kingdom of Israel. Israel was broken up into two different kingdoms, the northern kingdom, which retained the name of Israel, but the southern kingdom was named Judah. And the problem is, which we hear with a lot of these kings, is that these kings were so far from God. They were supposed to do what um, they had learned from, from the law. They were supposed to listen to the instruction of God. They were supposed to listen to prophetic voices. But what they did often is they mingled and served other gods. The God that King Ahab served specifically was Baal. Baal, B-A-A-L. Baal was an interesting God because Baal, he was supposed to be in control of the weather. 
He's supposed to not only control the weather, he was also supposed to be a God of provision. I love God because God is petty. Oh, so you want to serve the God of the weather and the God of provision, but you don't want to serve me? How about I cut off the rain for a little bit? I love God because he's going to make sure that you know that there is no other source other than him. So, so God, he sends this prophetic voice, this, this wild man named Elijah who lives in the mountain town of, of, of Tishbe. He's a Tishbite from, from, from Tishbe and he comes down and he literally begins his prophetic reign on this earth by walking. Could you imagine your first job as a minister? If my first job, I remember my first job as a minister, I was like cleaning toilets. I was like restocking uh, uh, food pantries. I wasn't preaching to nobody. His first gig is to walk up to the king and give a prophecy. It would be the equivalent of a brand new pastor coming out the gate and his first job is to go to the president and to get to speak a word directly. This is what was going on with Elijah. So, so, so God literally sends this, this prophet Elijah to mock the God Baal, who's supposed to be the God of the weather and the God of, of, of provision. I, I, I love that because God sends a prophet to bring a drought to mock man's idea of supply and abundance. Don't be mad when it doesn't happen the way you think it's supposed to happen. God will literally stop the rain in your life so that you stop thinking your provision in any season will come from anywhere else but him. So Elijah goes and he gives this message to the king. Hey, it ain't going to rain no more until I say. There will be no dew until I say. God sends the prophet to the highest office of the land, the king, and he literally prophetically tells him what the next few years of his life going to look like. Hey, I'm going to cut off all your prosperity because I'm cutting off the rain. I don't care how powerful you are. I don't care how much money you got. It ain't going to rain till I say it's going to rain. I love that he says, except at my word. It won't rain. There will be no dew except at my word. What if I told you you held the keys to the next season of your life in your mouth? See, I think some people are upset about the season they're in when the reality is you are living in a season that you spoke out a season ago. You mad at the season you went, but you were in control of the season. My circumstances in control of the season. No, your circumstances manifested from something that you probably said a long time ago. Maybe you didn't have the faith. Maybe you didn't have the confidence. But I'm here to tell somebody today that the next season of your life can be the best season of your life if you understand that the power has put in your mouth to manifest what he called.
calls forth your purpose in this next season. It is going to get better. It doesn't always have to be this way. The best is yet to come. I'm not going to live the way this season that I lived last season. I will find her this season. I will find him this season. I will get the raise this season. I will get the promotion this season. I will have the child this season. My kids are coming home this season. My marriage will work in this season because it ain't going to happen unless I say it out my mouth. The only reason that something hasn't happened in the season for you is because the things that are manifesting in your season are manifesting because there are things that were spoken out of your mouth. There is power in your mouth. God literally gave Elijah to speak the power over the future. That's why I love the New Testament prophet because he's an encourager. We're supposed to speak those things that are not as though they were. If you can't see it and speak it, it won't manifest. And maybe today you think, I hear you, Pastor, but you're preaching about Elijah. He's one of the greatest prophets that ever lived. I ain't no Elijah. Like, you know, I can't walk in no room and cut off no rain. I, I shoot, I, I mean, the water people cut off my water because I ain't pay a bill, but that's I can't, I can't speak, I, I don't have that boldness like you up there, you know most people, one of, one of their fears is public speaking, you up there, you can shout, you can yell, that's not me. I don't have that prophetic voice, pastor. I am no Elijah. You think you can't use your voice because you think you're not like Elijah. You know what Elijah's name means? It means my God is Jehovah. But you know what's even funnier about that? Elijah's name means, my God is Jehovah. Where did I tell you Elijah came from? He was a Tishbite from Tishbe. He was a Tishbite from Tishbe. So this mighty man of God who knows that his God of Jehovah, where does he come from? He comes from Tishbe. He's a Tishbite from Tishbe. You know what Tishbite means? Captivity. This mighty man of God where did he come from? Did he come from a throne? Did he come from the greatest pedigree? Did he come from the best plant? And you know where he came from? He came from captivity. I want somebody to understand. I don't know what you may be captive to today, but there may be things in your past that you are still captive to. And because you are still captive to those things, you think that you cannot speak to your future and it will speak back. But I am here to call you a generational curse breaker. You do not have to remain captive to the chains of your past because God loves to use captives to take them to the upper echelons of society to speak to the influence. And here's the thing that I know about captives. Our God loves captives because you know what he does with captives? He sets captives free. This is the mission of Jesus. You don't have to stay captive forever because God will take somebody from captivity to allow them to speak and free others if they can align their will and their purpose with him. You don't have to stay a slave forever. You don't have to stay a captive forever. You don't have to be in bondage forever because God loves taking people out of bondage to use them to speak his will in this world. If you believe it, say amen. Your captivity does not define your purpose. 
God can use a captive and take him to the highest office of the land to speak with power and boldness. I love this because some of the greatest people that God ever uses come from a place of captivity. Do not allow where you come from to dictate what God wants to do through you. I, I love this because if you just let him free you, he can use you. You walked in this place with so much stuff on you. But I'm here to tell you today that if you could just let him free you, he will use you. What did he use Elijah to do? He used Elijah to speak, open his mouth, and he brought about three and a half years of a drought. The rain stopped for three and a half. Now, why would God do that? Like, we need rain. Like, rain is provision. Water brings life. We, we need it. And, and here's the thing about the rain. Like, we live in South Florida, so it'll rain for like five minutes, stop, be sunny outside. Then there'll be a hurricane, and that'll stop 10 minutes later. Then, you know, we can all go to the beach, and then about 20 minutes from that, a, a tornado comes. Like, this is, this is South Florida. This is how we live. Like, sometimes if we can be honest, like, rain is not very convenient for us. Amen? I ain't going to lie. Like, I dread on Sunday mornings if it's raining. I'm like, Lord Jesus, I hope people come to church today. People get real comfortable watching online when that rain come and the church said, I just got my hair did. I got to stay inside so nobody can see it. We need rain. We need provision. But sometimes, if we can be honest, we just don't appreciate the rain's timing. <laughs> but we don't want to be in a drought, though. We don't want to be in a drought. So, so why would God ever bring a drought into our life? Why would he allow that? And as I was reading these scriptures and I was pondering this on this, on this time of rest, I had this thought, consider that God will send the rain in your life when he sees how faithful you've been in a drought. How do you ever appreciate the rain if you've never been in a drought? See, Elijah, I love this. He starts this ministry by rebuking a nation. He goes to the face of a king and defiles the king in his face. Brought drought with his mouth. And then immediately, if you read chapter 17, he goes into hiding. You see that? Ain't gonna rain till I say so. Peace. This is, Elijah, why? Why? Why does he rebuke a nation and then go into hiding? I, I believe that Elijah wasn't hiding himself. I believe that God was hiding him. Taking those three points, first was this. God's hiding you. I don't know who that's for. God's hiding you. He's hiding you. First Kings 17, verses 2 through 6, read, then the word, so this is right, hey, it ain't going to rain till I say so. No dude, no rain it ain't going to happen, king, till I say so. Then the word of the Lord comes to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kirian Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, 
And I have, this is crazy, I have directed the Ravens to supply you with food there. This is the first Uber Eats. Food on delivery, Ravens, just dropping off Burger Fi and, could you, could you imagine a bird bringing you some food? Bringing you your wonton soup. It's better than Grubhub, you know? So he did what the Lord told him. He went to the Karith Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought bread and meat morning, <laughs> bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the book. He's getting an unlimited supply of food from ravens that are bringing food from, <laughs> from heaven's doorstep right to his. And he's got unlimited water from this, from this brook. I, I, I love this. Now, I said God's hiding you. And the truth is, some of us are hiding from God when we should be hiding in God. We should be hiding in him. Don't hide from him. Allow, allow yourself to hide in him. Allow him to hide you. For the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they are safe. God wants to surround you. He wants to be your resting place, your hiding place. A lot of us have hid in some other things because we're trying to get away from God because of guilt and shame. God says, don't run from me. Run to me. Hide in me. <laughs> hide in me. I love this. Now, first, God takes him to this high place, says what he has to say to the king. Then he hides him in the Kareth Ravine. The word Kareth in Hebrew means a cutting or a separation. A cutting or a separation. Well, this is exactly how brooks, he drank from the brook, is made because water trickles in a space and it continually runs for so long that eventually the water erodes the rock. And if the water erodes the rock, eventually a channel is made. And eventually once that channel is made and the water keeps flowing, what does it do? It eventually cuts into the rock and it separates the land and the brook becomes the body of water between it, right? So he goes to this place of cutting, of separation. Water cuts through the rock and, cre and creates separation, which makes this brook. What if God is cutting into your situation because he's trying to separate you from something? Like, it, it may seem aggressive. You're like, God, why you, why you hitting me so hard? God, why you coming at me like that? What if he's trying to separate you from something? That yeah, Maybe he's trying to cut something away. Maybe he's trying to separate you from something that you're not supposed to be. And I love this because he separates Elijah from everyone and he has ravens bring him food. He starts out his ministry on the top and he's like, I got to separate you. I got to get you out of here. I need you to hide in me. Go hide down in this ravine. I want to I I separate you. I want, I want, I want to hide you. He gets separated and he has ravens bring him food. Some of you are mad that you are separated, but how many of you know that God is still supernaturally supplying you in your separation? Like, you know how many ways like he could have got food to him? He could have killed the ravens and it could have been Kentucky Fried Raven. 
It's not what he says. He's like, no, let them just be messengers. I, I, I need to do this so you know that man is not responsible for bringing you anything. I'm going to fly this thing to you. I'm going I'm to I'm fly it to you. Some of you are mad that God has separated you in this season, but he's still supernaturally taking care of you. You're mad at separation, but what if I told you that your separation was your source of supply? He was separating you to supply you. Because even when you're separated, you're still supernaturally taken care of. I love that God separates us to supply us. I, I like to think about it like this. Like uh, when, I'm, when I'm out in public and I'm hanging out with my friends or whatever, um, I got this thing where if somebody asks me for like gum or mints or candy or whatever, I got this thing. And maybe it's just me because I'm from Carroll City. I don't even know what that means. All I got to say is when somebody asks me from that in public, like, yo, T, you got some gum? And there's a bunch of people around, like especially at church because people always want mints and stuff because, you know, they don't want to be killing the person next to them and all that stuff. When people ask me for, for that stuff in public. You, you, you know what I do? I, I do. It's like, a, it's like a whole drug deal. It's like. It's like, ah, gums in your hand, I'm out. I, I, don't, I don't want you to, I, I, I don't want people to see. Because you know what happened. If you're the one with the pack of gum, and everybody sees the gum, and you got some gum, hey, let me get a piece of ah, let me get a piece of gum, dog. I'm like, man, you ain't put in on this, man. It's my gum. Like one, it's fine like when one person asks you for gum, but it's crazy like when you, when you bought your little pants, like it's like five pieces of gum and then four gone, I got one left. Because everybody saw me giving somebody, everybody is around. Let me tell you why. Because people only want what you got because they see it, not because they need it. You wouldn't even think about gum till I pulled out my gum. And now you, you, you mad at me because God blessed me with a promotion. You wouldn't even think about that. You mad at me because God blessed me with a new car. You wouldn't even think you was fine with your hoopty. You mad at me because God is blessing my family with other things. like, man, I don't even want no family. But you see mine, now you mad. People only want things because they see things, not because they need things. Like, like, like you got to be sick. Cause like, if I give it to you once, I, once I do it, I got to start giving it to everybody else. Not because they need it. And what happens is what was meant for you. Now I got to start distributing because that's what God is. God's a good guy. He's like, Hey man, if my kids are here. I got to bless all my kids. So if he's separating, don't be mad because he's separating you. He's trying to give you something that's for you because what's for you is for you. Maybe God don't want everybody to see what he's doing with you right now. Don't, 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 don't be mad. Like, I, like I, I love y'all, but me and Joe could not get what we needed if we had stayed. We, we, had, to, we had to separate for this next season's preparation. 
because there was stuff that God has for us and I want to encourage somebody just like us. He has stuff specifically for you that we ain't even supposed to be a part of. I don't want your supply to get sabotaged because people see. <laughs> Listen, if, if God's got to separate me, put me on timeout for a season, I, I, will, I will gladly, I will gladly go because I don't want to miss out on my provision because I wanted everybody to see what I was getting. So that's why some of you miss out. Not because you don't need it, not because you don't want it, but you want people to see you get it. I don't need you to see what I'm getting. The revolution will not be televised. You do not need to know. Like, I've been off, I've been off social media for two months. I ain't post a doggone thing. Why? Because you ain't even know what I was doing. All you need to know is I was resting. I ain't got to show you every little intricate deal of my life because God was doing stuff for me that was just for me. Some of y'all want to put everything that come out. Ooh, God, he gave me an extra taco today. Ooh, God, he gave Like, uh, listen, I'm not saying don't be, I'm thankful. But I ain't got to show the world everything. Because there's certain things that God is doing for me in a season. And I want the, like, like some of us miss the moment because we're trying to post it instead of living it. Post less, live more. You got to see everything that's going on. Like, I, 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 I love it because everybody don't need to know what you're doing all the time. But there's going to be a time where God lets everybody know what he's doing in you. We serve the God that loves to do things with people. And we serve the God that loves to hide things. He hid Joseph in a prison. He hid Moses in a basket in the Nile. He had Gideon in a wine press. He had David in a cave. He had Jonah in the belly of a whale and he had Jesus in a manger. I love that we serve the God that loves to hide things. So if he's hiding you, if you're in obscurity for a moment, do not be mad because I want you to understand if he's hiding you, he's supplying you. Don't be upset when God is hiding you in the season. Because not only is he supplying you, I promise you, he's refining you. To my next point, he's refining you. He's refining you. First Kings 7, excuse me, First Kings 17, verse 7, says sometime later, the brook dries up. Why why'd the brook dry up? Because you spoke out of your mouth that there will be no dew or no rain, dummy. Isn't it funny that sometimes your actions can be the things that cause the drama in your life? But I did something good for God. Just because you're doing something good for God doesn't mean that those things don't have repercussions. They hating on you because you're doing what God told you to do. says, sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. The word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath in the reason, in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. The brook dries up 
and he goes to Zarephath. That word Zarephath means refinery, refinery. So he goes from a place where he is cut and separated to a place of refinery. And this story, this widow of Zarephath story is an interesting one. If I could tell it really quickly uh, in a 2022 context, pretty much God told that woman, hey, my prophet's coming. Make sure you feed him. She had nothing left. She had a, li a little, a little like jar of flour and she had a little jug of oil, enough to make a cake for her and her son. When I said cake, like a cake of bread for her and her son. And then they were going to die. Why'd they have nothing? Because the drought that Elijah spoke out of his own mouth. Once again, sometimes the good things you are doing for God, they're going to affect other people in ways that you never imagined. Right? Because of the drought, this woman has nothing. God says, take care of my prophet. She's like, what? Prophet comes. It's like me coming to the, the, the most disenfranchised person in the room, knowing that I got enough to survive and say, hey, why don't you make me some food? Why don't you make me some food? This is, this is what Elijah says. says hey, and, and he didn't just say make me some food. He says, hey, make me food first. Out of what you got and then feed yourself. Make me food first and then go feed yourself. I think it's interesting because Zarephath, where this widow was, was from, I said it means refinery. And I love that word refine. A refinery is a place where refinement happens. But to refine something, it means to remove. Remove impurities or unwanted elements from a substance. There's a process to it. I think a lot of us, we hear things about refinement. You say, I want to be refined well, the only way for you to be refined, refinement doesn't mean that you get more. Refinement means that things are taken away from you. Refinement means that God's doing his almighty editing process on you. He's cutting things out that aren't supposed to be there. So some of y'all looking provision, looking for provision in a season of refinement when God is actually taking things away from you so that you require less to be sustained. I love this because refinement doesn't mean you get more. It means that you're okay with taking God, taking things away from you so that he can do more with less. So Elijah, one of the greatest prophets to ever live. Remember what I just said. God's going to take things away from you. He starts his ministry talking to the president. Then for the next three years, after he leaves the, the, the Kareth Ravine, he spends his ministry time. Now you think, if I'm ministering to the president first, then my, my congregation must be a congregation of thousands. Everybody listen to me because the president listens. For the next three years. God whittles down Elijah's ministry from the upper echelon of the land to two people. A widow and her son. You go from doing the greatest thing that you think in your mind you can do. And God says, you know, I've separated you, but I need to refine you. I, I, need, to, I need to take some things away. Maybe I need to take some of this influence away because I don't want it to go to your head. Maybe I need to take some of the people in your church away because I don't want you to think that, that it was just all about filling up seats. 
Maybe the building needs to get smaller. Maybe, maybe some things have to come away from you in order for me to humble you. He stands before the king, calls down judgment, and then lives in obscurity for three years with two people. He pastored two people in three years. By a human's measure of success, that's not a glamorous ministry. Pastoring two people. After you pastored the president for three years, and it's not, it's like, it's not even people like who get a name, they don't even get a name in the Bible. He pastored two people, we don't even know their names from reading this story. Why does God do that? God uses this moment in Elijah's illustrious career to refine two things, his faith and obedience. His faith and obedience. Obedience, why? Because he had to go to a place, two people that nobody knew after he had already talked to the greatest person that he would probably ever speak to. He was a prophet to a king and then went down to be a pastor to two people. You got to be obedient. See, so, see, some of y'all think like obedience is what you think is great. That's your next level. Your opinion of greatness does not define obedience. It's what God wants you to do. Not what you want to do. Because he, he could have been like, oh, man, I, sp I spoke to the king. Where the next king at? I'll stand up before armies. I will change nations. I will unite the northern and southern Israel. I will do it all because the rain doesn't even happen until I say. God said, no, go speak to this widow in this. Just, I, I, I love Elijah, though, because he's like, all right, well, the ravens done fed me. I done started Uber Eats. All right, I just. It's obedient. It's not delayed obedience, because that's still disobedience. It just goes. God, whether, whether you want me on the mountaintop or the valley, I'm going to go wherever you need me. So in this season, God wants to refine somebody's obedience. Some of us have been partially obedient to God. All right, God, I came to church. And you want your gold star. But then live like the devil from Monday to Saturday. Obedience is not partial. Like some of y'all think like you impressing God because you showed up today. Not, not, if, not if your life outside here is a mess. It doesn't impress God. What, what, what impresses God is not the act of holiness. What impresses God is being holy. Like obedience is all the time. No matter if it's the ups, the downs, the highs, the lows, if it's something you think is important or if you think it's, that, it's not that important, that's what obedience is. And maybe in this next season of your life, God has separated you to sustain you, but now he wants to refine you. And there's some things that must be refined in us before we could ever see the provision of the next season. Let's just start with the, with like the, the basic way to please your God as a father. Easiest way to please any father or mother in this room for that matter. Guess what it is, kids? Obey. 
Like, don't be doing all the extra stuff. It's like some of y'all think, oh, ooh, ooh, God, I talked to four people about you today, and I did this, but you was out here doing all kind of other stuff. Let me tell you something. There's no extra credit with God, man. Just do what he told you to do. That's what makes him happy. Do what he asked you to do. I believe that Elijah's obedience was being refined because after serving a king, y'all, let's, let's, let's be honest. Like, after serving a king, do you really think you could come off your high horse to serve somebody else? I ain't talking about you. I'm just talking about me. It, would be, it, would be, it probably would be hard for me to do that. And I love that Elijah gives us an example of what true obedience that is refined looks like, but also faith. Faith to believe that God would provide for them in a season where there was no other provision but God. If you read this story, once again, the brook dries up based upon something that comes out of Elijah's own mouth. And the only thing that is sustaining them is a jug in a jar. A jug in a jar. A jug that keeps on supernaturally getting filled up with oil and a jar that keeps on supernaturally getting filled up with flour. And I love it because God doesn't even refill it until they use it all. He's like, use it, I'm going to fill it. 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 That should be the rhythm of your life. God, use me, fill me. Use me, fill me. Use me, fill me. Some of you cannot be filled by God because you have not been used by God. Fill, use, fill, use. That, see, that requires faith. Because without faith, the Bible says it's impossible to please God. You got, you got to have faith. You got to be willing to pour out in order for God to pour back in. And this is a faith walk. So much faith. Not only did they continue to eat, but even when it seemed like God was going to continue to supernaturally supply them, once again, this is why I said this at the beginning of the message. Just because God's supernaturally doing stuff doesn't mean that hard times won't hit you. They get supernaturally filled, spilled, filled, spilled, filled, spilled. And then her son gets sick. Not so much that he dies. And, 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 and the woman's like, yo, like, I, I thought you was God's supernatural man. Like, his faith could have got tested in that moment. He says, don't worry about it. He goes and brings the young man back to life. This is, this, this is a faith. It, let me tell you something. Christianity is not a cakewalk. It is a faith walk. For we walk by faith, not by sight. And maybe if your obedience is on point, you say, God, I did what I was supposed to do. I was obedient and stuff still went wrong. Somebody still died. I still lost my money. I still lost my marriage. Once again, God will allow the drought to see if you have faith for the provision, not when the provision comes, but you need the faith when you're still in the drought. It's not faith if you're always being supplied. It's only faith when there's nothing. When you did everything right and it still ain't work. You had every procedure you could have, the baby still ain't come. The baby came and passed. I ain't do nothing wrong, God. Why is this happening? It's not called faith because it's easy, man. God, I live my life, I still got in this stupid accident. My kids still out there doing, I still lost my job. I was there early, stay late, I still. God says you're in the drought. Just keep believing, keep holding on, have faith. 
Do not get weary in doing good and do season and reap a harvest if you do not give up. I love this because we're sitting here thousands of years later reading a story about two nameless humans, a widow and her son. Let me just say this. He could have stayed up at the presidential level ministering to the king, but he's obedient enough to go down and minister to the people that God will call the least of these. And I love this. We don't know their names, but they have legendary faith. Do not demean the ministry that God has called you to, because let me tell you something. We don't know their names, but literally through this book, those two nameless lives have ministered to millions upon millions of people because they had faith in a drought. God wants to refine your faith. He's refining you. He's hiding you. He's refining you. But finally, he's supplying you. As the band comes back up, he's supplying you. Mm. I love this. So fast forward, he goes from the Kareth Ravine, he goes from the king to the Kareth Ravine, a place of cutting and separation. And then he goes to Zarephath, a place of refinement. But then after the three and a half years is up, he finds himself back in front of Ahab at Mount Carmel. He's revealed himself. Ahab's been searching for him for years, wanting to kill him because, you know, Elijah cut off all the prosperity. He cut, off, he cut off the rain. So he's been searching for him. Elijah finally comes out from God's hiding place. And he stages a contest because he is sick of people serving Baal. And this is where God's pettiness is at his peak. He's about to make a public spectacle of these false gods. And the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, Elijah tells them, you make an altar, I'll make an altar. And, you know, what we'll do is, without lighting it, we're going to allow our gods to light the altars on fire. And the prophets, the 450 and the 400, they're doing all kind of things. They're like, bail, 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 bail. They're doing all kind of nonsense. They're cutting themselves. They're doing all kinds of stuff. Elijah starts making fun of him. He's like, man, maybe your God's like, maybe he's on vacation. Maybe he's on the toilet. He clearly ain't paying attention to you. Read your Bible. It's there. And eventually, like, you can tell, like, they're, they, they're like losing blood. They're like, bail, bail, bail. Elijah says, all right, I'm going to be super petty. Why don't y'all pour a bunch of water on my altar too? Does three times. A trench around the altar fills up. He prays to God. God strikes that thing, incinerates that altar. Incinerates it. Like there's nothing left. And then he says, as for these prophets, because it was, it was the law, man, y'all false prophets. It's like, all y'all got to die. Kill them all. He says, choose this day who you're going to serve. Baal or the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God came out victorious that day. And it all happens on Mount Carmel. And you know, usually people preach that part of the story because that's like the real preachable part. It's fun. But it's not what we're here for today. I love Carmel. I've been telling you about different geographic locations as we've continued this. And 
we started at Kareth, the land of cutting and separation. Then we went to Zarephath, the place where refinery happens. But when we get to Carmel, you know what Carmel means in Hebrew? It means garden land. Garden land. It's interesting because if you were at Mount Carmel at the time, it was all dried up. Been three and a half years, no rain. It was not a garden land. It was dry. It looked like a desert mountain. This mountain should have been luscious because it was literally on the northern coast of Israel by the Mediterranean Sea. It was, it was, it was coastal. You could literally see the water. It should have been lush and green, but because of this drought, it was dried up. It was brown. God defeats through Elijah, the prophets on Mount Carmel, the, the garden land that was once known for its luscious green beauty. It's funny because obviously after God defeats the prophets, the rains come and the land is restored to its luscious nature. It's restored to that garden land. In two chapters, in a three and a half year span, we see Elijah go from Kareth, separation, Zarephath, refinement, to Carmel, garden land. I believe that God has to separate us, to refine us, to supply us. See, it's not until the prophets are defeated. It's not until God's name is lifted up on high at the garden land, Mount Carmel, that the rains come again and turn a barren mountain back into lush green land that it was meant to be. And after Elijah defeats the prophets, he climbs this mountain to pray. First Kings 18, 43, 46, where we started. Go and look towards the sea, he told his servant. And he went and looked. There was nothing there, he said, seven times. Elijah said, go back. The seventh time, the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, Hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, sky grew black with clouds. The winds rose. Heavy rain started falling. And Ahab rode off to Jezreel. Verse 46, the power of the Lord came upon Elijah and tucking his cloak and his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. I love this. It took seven times for Elijah's servant to see something in the distance. I love that number seven. We know in numerology, biblically, that it is a number of completion. Things are coming to an end on seven. It's a, it's, a, it's a perfect number. I love that. And it took Elijah's servant seven times to see something in the distance. But I love Elijah because he doesn't listen to his servant. Elijah's praying, literally, head between his knees. I'm not flexible. I can't do that. Okay? He's praying. Servant comes, Elijah, I don't see nothing. Shut up, go back. 
He's praying. Elijah, I don't see nothing. Go back. And Elijah the whole time, he's praying. He's praying fervently. He's praying desperately. He's praying earnestly because he prophesied that there will be no dew nor rain till what? He opened his mouth. It was his word. And he was like, God, you told me to say this, so I know that that word was your will, so I will pray, not my will, let your will be done. Some of you have given up on praying stuff. You've given up on praying stuff that you know God told you. That God made it so specific, it's embarrassing for you if it doesn't even come true. And I want you to understand that no matter how many people come back to you and say, still ain't happened yet, still ain't happened. It might be the first time. It might be the second time. It might be the third time, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh, the tenth, the twentieth. I don't know. But if God has put his will in your heart, it is not your job to question the will of God. It is your job to pray the will of God until his will comes to pass. Don't allow the outside voice to come in and say, I don't see it yet. I don't see it yet. I don't see. I don't care if you see it because I know by the spirit that he wills it, even if you don't see it. I will be stubborn about prayers when I know God told me something. I've been praying the same thing for the, for, for, for the, for the last three and a half, four years. God, when are you going to get us a building? Has it happened yet? No. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not God's will. I'm going to keep on praying it. I'm going to be stubborn about it because I know I'm in his will. So I don't care how long it takes for you to see it. Like I love this. Elijah didn't even have to open his eyes and look for it. He sent somebody else to look because he already knew it was coming. He's like, you go look. I know. Matter of fact, I'm not even looking out over the ocean like you are. I got my head to the ground. I don't need my eyes to see what I know in my heart. I need you to see it so you can believe. Because I know. It says, I see a cloud the size of a man's fist in the distance. We know that that cloud eventually came close and it might have been the size of a man's fist, but that's something about perspective, isn't it? He says, I see a cloud. And that was, I love that because that's the servant's perspective. I see a cloud the size of a man's fist. He was comparing a mighty rain cloud from God to the size of his hand in front of his face. His perspective made something mighty appear really small. People will try to take and diminish your, your dreams based upon their perspective. Your dreams may be mighty, your dreams may be large, your dreams may be impactful, powerful, but when people see it, because they've never seen you before, they're gonna try to compare it to something that they've already seen. See the size of a man's fist. First Kings 18:44. The seventh time the servant reported a cloud as small as a man's hand rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go tell Ahab, hitch up your trailer. Excuse me, your chariot and go down. I guess if it was these times, it probably would have been a trailer. <laughs> oh, hitch up your chariot and go before the rain stops you. 
Hitch up your chair and go before the rain stops you. He sees the cloud and he gives instructions for Ahab to prepare and go. Let me ask you a question. Family, ask yourself, what do you see in the distance for your life that's calling you to prepare right now? What do you see? See a cloud. I loved our vacay. We went to Mexico. It was awesome. And a vacation for me means I need water and I need sand. You say you live in Florida. I don't care. I want water and sand all over the world. I'm going to go see water and sand wherever I can. It's something about the beach that just relaxes me. Because I believe that all creation, not to over-spiritualize it, but everything is spiritual. I believe all of creation worships God. So when I hear the roar of the waves, I'm like, man, even the water's praising God. It's like the most peaceful sound to me. Sometimes I put ocean sounds on like when I'm sleeping just because it's like, man, that's praise. That's continual praise. So I like to sit on the beach. And though I love having stimulating conversations with my wife, she will tell you oftentimes we just lay there and say nothing. Because I'm looking out on the horizon and I'm seeing the infinite possibilities of an infinite God and I'm hearing all creation praise him. It's one of my favorite things to do in all of humanity. You want to find me in my my peaceful place, find me just looking out into the ocean, listening to all creation praise God. And the entire time we were there, the weather was beautiful. It was perfect. Sun every day was beautiful. The last day we had late checkout, so it was like, hey, girl, let, let's, uh, let's hit this beach one last time. So we, you know, we, we got our beach clothes on, our bags were packed, and we went and sat out on a cabana right on the beach. It was like a bed, like a straight-up bed on the cabana. It was dope. And, and we had a, our guy, man, uh, uh, Pepe. Oh, my God, his hospitality was next level. Pepe was a legend. I could, like, like, like it didn't matter what I did. Pepe was like, you need something, Mr. Wilson? He was clean and glad. He was doing all kinds of stuff. He was bringing me like ice pops because he was hot. He was doing all kinds of stuff. I love, I love Peppy. Peppy was a legend. It's like I could think. I, at, at times I was like, I was like, let me, I was like, I need Peppy to come right now. And he was there. Oh, hey, Peppy, how you doing? <laughs> Peppy was awesome. And the last day we said, man, let's get a little more sun in before we, before we go. And, and, and look, you can put up that first picture. <laughs> Shazam, there we go. Don't look at my ashy toes. So, that's us laying on the bed. That's my girl, Le- ooh, that leg, girl. Ooh, I can't wait till we get home, okay. What? You were just on vacation? I live on vacation, okay. If loving you is wrong, I don't wanna be right, okay. Anyways, so we land out, I'm looking out in the ocean, man, doing my favorite thing. Like, we got to get on a plane in a little bit, but I'm like, man, I'm just trying to soak this up. I'm looking out on the horizon. And it was a beautiful sunny day. We had sun the whole time. And as I'm looking, and Joe will tell you this to, to, to know that it's true, far off in the distance, like, you probably can't even really pick it up on this, on this shot. I looked out and I saw a cloud. About the size of my head. And Joanne, I... I love Joanne because she, I was like, Joe, you see that cloud? She's like, shut up, I'm, I'm tanning. <laughs> it's sun out, what you talking about, fool? I said, Joe, did I not say this? I said, look, I said, we probably, I'm like, I'm not like a meteorologist or anything, but I dabble, what? <laughs> I don't. I look at the cloud, I was like, yo, 
I, I couldn't stop looking at it because I was already obsessing over the horizon line, but I couldn't stop looking at it because it was moving fast. Like I, I have this, I have this thing when like large things move really fast. It's like terrifying. So I'm like looking. I'm like, why? Why is that? Why is? I was like, I'm like looking at all the other clouds and they like chilling, but it's just one cloud in the distance. I said, I said, I said, Joe, I said it's gonna rain in 20 minutes. She's like, shut up, no, it won't. I said, it's gonna rain in 20 minutes. Don't ask me how I know. I just know. So I said. Lord, in the name of Jesus, let Peppy come. Peppy popped up. Yes, Mr. Wilson. <laughs> I said, Peppy, um, I want to close out our, our, our bill or our tab or whatever because it's about to rain. He's like, Mr. Wilson, there's no rain here. This is paradise, okay? So maybe it's going to rain. He said, all right, that's what you want, Mr. Wilson. Close out the bill. And the funny thing is, while I was doing it, like, I... <laughs> I was watching other people come onto the beach like they had just come onto the beach. They were laying out their towels, they were getting set up. I'm like, this ain't gonna go well for y'all. Cause I know what's coming. I'm watching it, I'm like, why is nobody else closing out? Like, how come I'm the only one that's like thinking, I'm like looking at people, the people next to me, like they're close enough, they was like, what's wrong with him? He closing out talking about rain, ain't no rain. I was like, I'm telling you, it's rain coming, rain coming. About 15 minutes, after I said that, the cloud that's way back in the distance, show what it looked like next. You could literally see the rain coming at you. I had never seen a cloud move so fast in my life. It's like God was saying, and just blowing, perfect weather the entire time. But at this last hurrah, I look out in the distance and I see the rain coming towards us. And I said, Joe, we gotta go now because we ain't got much time. And we got up and we start running. The moment we start running, I'm telling you, the, the sky turned black and the greatest torrential downpour of all time came down. All them people that set up, they got flooded out. They got washed into the sea like Pharaoh when he chased Moses through the Red Sea. I was like, peace. We were out. I know my wife was happy because she ain't want her dude getting wet. So I told you, girl. Holy Spirit, you be telling me stuff. When the rains came, we got up and ran before the rain came because we saw the cloud in the distance. It's funny, like people sitting up on the beach like it's not coming. And the truth is, some people are so focused on where they are right now, they never see what's coming. You, you like living your life like it's all good with no vision for what's coming down the horizon because you can't see it. It's not that you can't see it, you're just not focused on it. I was so focused on it that I was able to get up and prepare to run. Do you hear what I said? I was so focused on it that I was able to prepare to run. And as I was thinking about that story, it reminded me 
that Elijah was ready to run when the rains came too. 1 Kings 18, 45-46. Meanwhile, the sky grew black, the winds rose, a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode out to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah, and tucking his cloak in his belt, he would have grabbed his cloak, he would have pulled it up between his legs and turned it into instant pants, right? Tuck it right in his belt, and Elijah starts running, and he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Elijah is focused in his heart on the rain that is coming. And because he's focused on the rain, when it was time to run, God supernaturally induced him with power, so much so that this man is able to outrun a chariot for 14 miles. 14 miles! Outrunning a chariot for 14 steps is hard. 14 miles, a man on his two feet did more than horses and wheels. Because the Bible says the power of the Lord came on Elijah. Through the power of God, when the rain came, Elijah outran everybody. He outran his enemy. Cool church. I see a cloud in the distance. It's about the size of a man's hand and it's not any cloud. It's a cloud of revival. The rain of revival is coming, but I'll do you one better. If you wait around too long, you gonna miss it. If you preoccupy with what you're doing, you're not gonna see it. It's gonna overtake you before you know what to do because the rain of revival ain't waiting on you. The rain of revival is coming whether you like it or not. And I don't know about you, but I see the cloud. I'm focused on the cloud in the distance and I am ready to run. Why? Because I know that God has supernaturally filled this house with the ability to run beyond our enemies, to run beyond our haters, to run beyond our circumstances, run beyond our issues. I don't know about you, but when they see how far and how fast that this church runs, I want some to look and say there is no way they could have been prepared to run that fast without God I see the cloud a revival the rain is coming and I'm ready to run faster and harder than I have ever run before because I know when I run towards the rain I'm running towards Jesus the Alpha the Omega the beginning and the end and I'm not gonna get stuck not paying attention because God has filled me with power and I am ready to run if you believe it say amen I'm rested and I'm ready to run the rain is coming we can't stay here forever you can't stay in the place you're in God is looking for believers that are focused on the distance you say God is far don't worry he'll give you the power to run and you will outrun your haters
you will outrun the enemy because you are filled with the power of Almighty God. I see a cloud in the distance and the rain is coming. I'm not going to stay here. I'm running when I see the rain. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Some of you focused on the wrong thing when you need to be focused on the rain. But you're not ready. You're not, you're not ready because you've been hiding from God when you should have been hiding in God. And because you're not hiding in God, he can't refine you. And if he can't refine you, he can't supply you. The rain is coming and he will send his supply. Will you be ready when the rain comes? With every head bowed and every eye closed. Some of you have been running, but you're running in the wrong direction. You'll, you'll never see the provision of God if you don't first run towards the Father. Some of you say, I'm not, I'm not ready to run, man. I, do you know who I am? I know who Elijah was. He came out of captivity. You could come out of captivity too. You don't have to be ready to run. You just got to be willing to run. Be obedient. Be faithful. Because here's what I promise you. If you run towards the Father, He will supply each and every need according to His riches and glory. I'm not promising you it's going to be easy. I am promising you He will go every step of the way with you. rain is coming you want to live in the provision or you want to live in your version of provision your vision of provision is perversion don't live that way you have an opportunity what's an opportunity a favorable time for the attainment of the goal you say some of you say I wasn't ready to run you can be ready today all you got to do is accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior I'm gonna make three different calls. The first is this. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you want to run to him today on a count of three. Nobody else can make that decision for you. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. I want to accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. If, I see you, uh-huh, I see you, praise God. If you've been with him in the past and you've run away from him and you want to run back to him, Say, I've done it before, man, but this time I want to be sure I want it to stick. I want to recommit my life to Jesus. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Let me see. Nobody's looking at me. Yep, yep, I see you. Yep, yep, yep. Perfect. Here's my last call. You say, I'm a believer and I love Jesus, but if I could be honest, I haven't been focusing on the cloud in the distance. I've been too focused on myself. I've been too focused on my own stuff. So I'm not ready to run when revival comes. I want to take my focus off of me and I want to put my focus back on Jesus for he, he knows the plans that he has for me. 
plans to prosper me, not to harm me, to give me hope in the future. If you want to take the focus off of you, you want to put the focus back on God. If you want to see the cloud in the distance and be ready to run, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Hold it up, hold it up, hold it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm answering this call too. I want everybody standing in this place. Awesome. If you raise your hand for any one of those three things, you never met Jesus, you met him before you want to come back to him, come back to him, or you know him, but you want to be ready to run. Run towards right. If that's you on the count of three, come down now. One, two, three, come. Nothing to be ashamed of. Come, 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 come. Right here. Come. Oh, I'm ready to run. Come on. Come on. so proud of all of you new believers believers coming back and believers that are ready to run i just want to do this just because i want to make sure if you're out there and you're scared it's like y'all wanted to answer one of those calls but i'm scared this is a family man look at your neighbor right now say hey if you're scared i'll go with you if they say yeah grab them by the hand and walk them down right now just, just if you're scared i'll go with you just want to make sure i want to make sure i'm praying for everybody that want to get prayed for that's all i want to do here we go y'all coming look like y'all coming yeah, good, awesome, awesome, good. Good, 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 good. It's a good mix of people. Some people just meeting Jesus, some people coming back to Jesus. Some people up here have known Jesus for a very long time. They just want to be ready to run. I love that. Reach your hands towards them. Bible says in Romans 10, now when you confess with your mouth and you believe with your heart, then you're saved. Confess that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart he's raised from the dead. I'm going to do a prayer for salvation. I want everybody in this room to repeat after me. And then after I'm done, I'm going to say a prayer for those that say, man, I want to be ready to run. I want to be ready to run when, when revival comes. Everybody repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, dear Jesus I've sinned. I've sinned. Not, proud of it, Not proud of it, but I admit it. But I admit Today, Today I, lay I lay my sin down. Take it, I pray. Take it, I, pray. I don't want it anymore. I reach to heaven to receive your forgiveness to take the place of my sin. I ask that you would accept me into your wonderful family. Today, I give my life completely to you. I'm yours, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Father God, I thank you for each and every person at this altar right now and each and every person in this room. God, I pray that we would not be the church that gets caught off guard when the rain comes. I pray that we will be ready to run. I pray that the attention will come off of us and go back on to you. God, I pray that we would not be too big to serve because if we're too big to serve, we're too small to lead. God, I thank you right now that you are hiding us. You're separating us. God, you're refining us. But God, more than anything, you are Jehovah Jireh. You are supplying us. And God, I pray that as supernatural provision is poured out on all of our lives, 
I pray that we would know where the rain comes from. That we would not put some other God in the place of the rain. But God, we would know that the rain comes from you and it's a rain of revival. God, I pray that these next days, months, and years for this house and this family will be the greatest, the greatest, the greatest that we have ever experienced. God, we pray with all power and authority, we lift our hands, we open our hands, and we say we are ready. We are ready to run. We are ready to run in Jesus' name. If you believe it, worship him in this place. where you see less of me and more of you. But you got to be ready to run. You can't run if you're too focused on yourself. You got to focus on him. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the finish line. He is everything. He's the beginning and he's the end. You keep your eyes on Jesus and I promise you, you'll be ready to run when the rain comes. Amen? If you made a decision to meet Jesus today, I know that's not all of you down here, but it is some, or you're coming back to him. I got a gift that I want to give you. It's a fam tube. There's a Bible in here, a WWJD bracelet, and a letter from me and Joe. And um, you can catch that. You had one job, bro. He did not catch that. Steph, I love you, bro. You're going to go out in the courtyard in a second, okay? Um, and if you got questions about anything that happened today, our team can answer that, but they'll give you that gift that I just held up. See that sign that Katie's holding up says, welcome to the family? That's what you are. You're surrounded by family. So on the count of three, we about to cheer for you louder than anybody's ever cheered for you in your life. You ready? Louder than the Heat game, definitely louder than the Dolphin game. I love the Dolphins, and this going to be the year. I Listen. I'm born and raised in the county of day. Every year, this gonna be the year. I don't care what nobody say. Fins up, baby. Care about nobody else. But we gonna cheer louder than that. Thank you. Count of three. We gonna cheer not like a game. We gonna cheer for you. Cause you're amazing and you're awesome. You ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Let them know. Do me a favor, walk that way. Walk that way. If you're down here, walk that way. Keep cheering. Keep cheering. Y'all go that way. Follow them. Let them know. Let them know. God loves them. Let them know. Praise God. Thank you so much for listening. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends because it helps so much. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. 
then be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.